1: Ah, this will be a fun conversation. Good evening. Welcome to the Sunday Smash. There's my man, Ira Shafell. I'm Jeff. We're watching football. Which game do you
0: have on, Ira? You see Jameis today? I did. Five touchdowns, huh? Five ain't, He
1: ain't having it. Um, yeah, good for him. So I got that on. I got the Dolphins on in the background as well. But nobody wants to talk about that. I'm sure they're going to want to talk about something that is uh, inexplicable. And uh, we've had a day just about to digest here what happened late, late last night, Ira. I think I'm just going to start with, and, and we'll make this as conversational because I think we needed it. It's therapy. It's a little cathartic uh, for all of us, but uh, just time to, to kind of vet a little bit here. Um, first of all, I would tell the folks on the stream here, like and subscribe. We're going to be here every Sunday at 7 o'clock, Hopefully. These Sundays won't be um, morbid. It won't be a time for us to be uh, rehashing another piss poor performance and devastating loss and horrific coaching effort. Uh, hopefully, it won't be that way. Hopefully, we'll be talking about a big win and a win and on to the next or other things like the NFL or whatever it might be. But tonight, it can't be that right. It can't be. We can't have nice things. We can't enjoy things for very long. Ira,
0: that's why. Uh, that's why instead of the red stripe. I'm I'm punishing myself, Jeff. I'm breaking out. Oh uh,
1: buddy! Look the, at you.
0: <laughs> I can't go. I can't. I'm not. I'm not worthy of the good stuff. I'm go know, some- well,
1: they're they're not worthy of the good stuff. We may all need the good stuff for hours <laughs> on end. Um, man, I uh, you know, it's frustrating. It's it's frustrating. You know, it's funny because I think we were pretty much realists. I said six and six. Somewhere in there for the start of the season, five and seven, something like that. Uh, if everything broke right, maybe seven and five. This loss certainly hampers your ability to accomplish anything close to that, but it doesn't oddly enough leave me bereft of hope, as I like to say. I actually think this is an interesting time. It's it's not fun. It's not fun for fans to have to watch a loss like that, um, but at the same time, I always love to watch leadership when it's up against it, and to see which way this goes, Irie, your column on Warchant.com was fantastic because I think it's important to note here that they got games to play, they've got days to coach, practices to be at, and ways to get better or fall apart, and we're going to find out which happens in the coming weeks, and I find that fascinating, and I do like studying leadership, and the oddity is I think Mike Norvell's a good leader who had a really bad night and made a bunch of extraordinarily hard to explain errors. And now he's up against it. He's just made, as Corey pointed out on warchant.com. And I think as we all could observe, he's just made his job really difficult.
0: You know, it's funny, man. Like I, I had that tweet a couple of weeks ago and, and this is to touch on what you're saying about my Norvell and his leadership. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I tweeted that after watching preseason camp, I've been impressed by the guys as, as a coach is not just a, play caller or an offensive coordinator, what he did earlier in his career, but just the, the way he manages a football team. And I stand mm-hmm. by that. I mean, I I, I yeah. not stood out there and you've been out there some as well mm-hmm. and watch the way he manages players, the way he deals with discipline issues, the way he deals with guys who are doing poorly or guys who are doing well. I think he's got a good feel for that. I think he's a good coach. And somebody tweeted at me today that, that everybody's bringing that tweet up. And somebody was like, how? Why would you? How could you have made that judgment in August? Well, and that's when most coaching is done. Most coaching is not done during a football game. It's done mm-hmm. in the days and weeks and months that precede it, and then that's the chance to show it. And you have to come through there as well. They did not, and and that's part of it. But you can see how a guy coaches in practice. If you go to watch a Leonard Hamilton practice, oh, here's a perfect example. Back when. You know, earlier, earlier in uh, Coach Bowden's tenure, when Coach Bowden was here and his, and he had a good staff, coaches from the other sports would come watch. Coaches from other schools would come watch their practices, not the games, to come watch the practices. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. Dennis Gates was on the basketball staff, he would come over and watch. Rick Trickett, coach, he liked watching Rick. So, I mean, that's when coaching actually happens. And I think he's a good coach. I think he's done a good job. They blew it yesterday. I mean you can't say it enough ways to describe yeah. how they blew it yesterday, but that doesn't mean what happened last Saturday last Sunday doesn't matter. And it doesn't necessarily mean what's going to happen this Saturday going forward. So I'm with you, man. I just think it's gonna be this is when it gets real. I mean, he this is I mean he's gotta he's gotta get better, but you know, this is you know, this is the test. I mean, this is how the, where they go from here is the test.
1: Think about if you go back and watch the press conference afterwards, of course, he owns it. What else is he going to do? I mean, can't possibly say anything other than I'm responsible for not having the team ready to play. And, you know, you answer the questions. People, you know, people always want coaches to obviously admit to their mistakes, fall on the sword and do those things. And I think for the most part, he did. But what I saw more than anything else was a guy that was really hurting because he know – he knows he screwed those kids. He did not put them in a position to succeed. He did not get them ready to play football. When Andrea Adelson asked him the question, or I guess it was an observation where she said, Florida State's never lost to an FCS school before. And then she went on to say, "How do you, wh- what did you say and, and how do you re- respond to this? He closed his eyes for a second, because I think the weight of that statement hit him, that he just presided over the worst loss, arguably, in program history. And to know that he helped author that in some way, I think it hurt his soul Um, because his response wasn't to the latter half of the question, which was, what did you say and how do you respond? His first response was, I'm sorry. I just want to say, I'm sorry to the fans, to the university, to the players. I mean, For him to do that, he knows the kind of the kinds of mistakes that were absolutely inexcusable that were made in succession that led to that possibly occurring the way that it did, his mind must have been swimming. It, it was weird. You know, when Willie lost the Virginia Tech game and he came in, he looked white as a ghost and he just was staring off in the distance. He was caught by surprise that they played that poorly. Mike Norvell was not caught by surprise that they played poorly per se. It was that he realized he and his coaches screwed this up. The weight that that he was wearing on his face on that mask was that of a man who knew I got got. I was looking ahead. I was experimenting. And my team, in my opinion, is not good enough, mature enough, experienced enough to do that with anybody. No matter what you think of Jacksonville State, no matter what the film told you, no matter at 17-7, you're not good enough to just try to do things willy-nilly because you want to see how kids respond. Go win the game. It's just – it's a series of unbelievable errors. You have no choice but to try to build from it. Maybe he becomes a better coach because of it. The problem he has, Ira, fans want instantaneous response. They want things to be better now. They want – they want this coach to be the guy and they want to be able to identify that right now. They want those players to be better right now. They want the wins to come right now. We all do. And I'm sure they do too. When you screw up like this, this is a slow burn, man. You can't fix this Saturday at wake. So you win that game. You think the fan base goes, Oh, that's it. Okay. What a hiccup. Silly us. He's fine. No, it's going to take a long time to get back. To where people might trust that he could be the guy.
0: Yeah, that's right. You know, when I thought they were going to hold on and win, when it was like 17-7 and they were going in to punch it in, I was like, okay, this was an ugly win, but it's a win. You're gonna win by you know two or three scores. You know, it's not good, but at least you go on the road this no. week. And if you and if you play well against Wake Forest, then kind of it would be forgiven. But when you lose that game, I mean, it's just a, uh, it's a disaster. And so, and that's why one of the things I wrote about my column is I, I don't think he can even think about or worry about or concern himself with the fans right now because they're not coming back unless, I mean, it was, it, there were I felt like there was a group of fans who believed in Mike Norvell before the season. And then there was a, probably a, is equally big or bigger group that was not invested, did not believe, Hoped for the best, thought that would be great if he turned it around, but we're not really confident. But the Notre Dame game kind of brought them back in. And you, so now you got them all back on and excited. And then six days later, you kind of pull the, the carpet out from underneath them after everything they've been through these last few years. Man, I got some, and I know you've talked to a, a ton of fans. And, you know, I got a, a note from a fan today. Um, a law, not a note, I shouldn't even call it a note. It's like a letter. He's explaining his whole kind of, his lifetime of love of Florida state football and why he kind of feels like he needs to take some time away now. And it wasn't like an angry response. It wasn't like a furious, mm-hmm. but it was like, man, right, this, measured. it's yeah. just not, this isn't, I've got a young child and this isn't, I, I'll, you know, maybe I'll come back later. And I just think that th- think of how many people are probably experiencing that right now because of everything over the last five or six years. And then this six day window of that high of the Notre Dame game, to have it come crashing down like that. He can't get the fans back unless they win. And the only way they can win is if they just, if he gets back on focus with these kids and if they buy in, stay bought in the way I really believe they have been and, and, and just turn it around one game at a time.
1: You know what, what you're right. He can't worry about the fans. It would be really a, a huge mistake. I mean, he has to know without question that they're enraged. He has to know that, that, uh, he, he has failed them, um, but he can't worry about that. He has to really make sure that those players uh, believe in him still and, and believe in his messaging. And, um, you know, you got to wonder, Ira, I mean, when you're trying to create culture and flip culture and, and get people to believe and then this happens, you really do wonder the message you sent with all that Mickey Mouse nonsense at the beginning of the game. Uh, and you've talked about this before. You and I have had this discussion a lot over the years about what you can and can't do in preparation for the next game. If on the docket for this game is an easier team to defeat, you, you have to know your team well enough to know what they can handle. Can they be business you know, like and go out there and, and get up early and take care of business so that you can play your younger players or so that you can experiment later on? It was a miscalculation. They're not anywhere close to being ready to do that. First of all, they're not good enough. I mean, they're not real good at wide receiver. They're not real good on the offensive line. I think they're pretty average at best at quarterback. Um, you know, we, we were trying to watch a defense transform into something that is respectable, and, and, and for a, in a weird way, and nobody wants to hear this, they actually played okay last night defensively for much of this game, and then it's absurd that you're in how, – how are you yeah. in cover two? I, I don't – how how are you in two-man under? I don't – there's nobody on earth that would have made that call. I, I don't know if that was a – if somebody signaled in the wrong call and they didn't have a timeout because they stupidly screwed up the series before on offense and they wasted their last timeout just trying to get somebody to jump off sides. Because if you're the head coach, you're responsible for everything. So no matter if your defensive coordinator or somebody else signaled in the wrong – defense. You got to call timeout or have one available or override it in the moment. Something has to happen yeah. where that can't... You know what you're asking your safeties to do at that point? You are begging the other... They, brother, they ran a play, Ira. That's not a Hail Mary. They ran a play. In they a ran play, a goddamn play.
0: A play they had run previously. Just the, the play yeah, before. They, it yes, guy they, wide open. Yeah, man. There's so many questions about that whole sequence. And, and you're right. I, that's where... I mean, yes, ultimately, I mean, yes, directly it's on Adam Fuller and whoever is in the box that's watching what's happening on the plays, you know, the play mm-hmm. before where the same receiver beat Jarvis Brownlee with the same inside release, like the fact that you call the same play again and and nobody's, Hey, by the way, we couldn't cover that last time, but we're going to call the same thing again.
1: Well, and why then, wouldn't
0: you? And, 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 and if you don't have a timeout, I mean, I'm, one hundred percent. It was egregious that you didn't have a timeout in that situation. But if you didn't have a timeout, you could do anything in that moment. I mean, like you said, Mike Norvell's on the headsets. He could yell out to he could he could yell, "Hell no, we're not running that." You know, yeah. we're we'll running this. Or, I mean, at that point, man, like you could have a defensive lineman just jump off sides to just get it, give him five yards. Yes. Just yeah, now that'll give you time to th- do something. But you couldn't just run a base defense against that. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. And then on top of that you know, the awareness of the players on the field. I mean, you got guys not running full speed down there. You've got other guys being in position, but not. It was almost like they thought it was almost like in a basketball game where they thought if he didn't cross the goal line by zero, it wasn't going to count or something. It was just everything about it was bizarre, man. And then again, that all goes back to preparation and coaching. And so this isn't a a bash the player situation. It's a hundred percent on the coaching staff.
1: Yeah, and I see people say ask questions. Matthew, it doesn't matter if it was robber one high safety. You, how are you not in cover 4 at the very least in quarters and keeping everything in front of you? It, it doesn't at the very least. It doesn't matter. That's just absurd what they what they ran. I don't Yeah, man, it's problematic and it's it's and here's the deal because we we had this discussion before the season began. Right. We both like Adam Fuller, and I'm sure he'll say he'll take responsibility. He'll say that it's his fault or whatever. You know, I mean, I don't think he's going to try to duck it. But we're having the same conversation, Ira, in this situation that we had after last week's game about the third and seventeen inexplicable blitz, right against Notre Dame, the third and seventeen play, and and then you know he owns it there. Well, nobody wants to hear that shit. I mean, do better. Do better, and that's what's hard. That you know, and again, well,
0: and, and and the fact that it's on top of last year, and you know, all of the excuses, and again, they're valid excuses. All of the reasons why Florida State was bad last year, especially on defense, I, we've gone through them ad nauseum. They 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 carried some weight. I mean, you, there's some validity to it, but not if you then come back out in the first game, give up 41 points, have a, just a terrible play call in a crucial situation that could have turned the game and then one week later have this happen. And and to your point about the defense, I agree, man. I, you know, we have to, we write a story, we get a game story written to be able to publish as soon as the game's over every week, because, you know, we want to have it up there. So people, if they come to war chant right after the game, they'll see the score and the headline and they'll know what happened. And and so we write a story during the game Mm -hmm. and this, the story that I had written before the last drive, really the last two drives, was about how it was the defense in the running game, while all the attention was on the quarterbacks and Mackenzie Mil- Milton getting his first start and all the emotions around that. Really, this was a game where the defense in the running game kind of took care of business because it had uh, J. Jay Sean Corbin had a really nice game again. Trayshawn would
1: be if he would be good if he was out there when we when man, you need him out there, man. That's that, unbelievable.
0: In the last, yeah, I think in the fourth quarter, in the fourth quarter, I think Lawrence Tofield had six carries, Trayshawn and Jay Sean each had one, I believe. It's unbelievable, um, and 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 I, you know, even if that was the plan going in, and I and because I I, I I do think that they they kind of have a plan for how they want to use those guys, and I could see the idea behind kind of battering people with Jay Sean, then you know Trey Sean's got his his skills, and then you got Topoli maybe being as kind of a a home run threat against a tired defense later in the game, but you weren't in those situations. You were in situations where you needed guys to get tough yards. And so Philly did not play well at all two weeks in a row. So I mean that 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 ratio has to change. I mean, you've got and that was the other thing on really on both sides of the ball, I would say, like one over overarching theme. I'm curious your thought about it. But like it felt to me like they didn't have a feel for who to be in the game on either side of the ball in a lot of situations. I mean, the defense substitutes like it's like watching a, a relay race. I mean, there's <laughs> there's four or five guys going in every other play. And I don't know. You know, I know Travis Jay had took some lumps last week, but I, I think he's probably better than Miko Dotson. But Miko Dotson seemed like he was out there a lot and having a tough time. Um changing the like and again, we don't know. Maybe there's some injury stuff, but like Travis Jay, then it goes to Keyshawn Helton, the punt returns, then it goes back to Travis J. Um, you've got uh You know, defensive line constantly moving guys in and out. Linebackers constantly moving guys in and out. It's almost like they don't have a feel for who can do what. And you're two games in now. You kind of need to figure that out.
1: Well, see, I think they were trying to figure that out. I think they were trying to figure out a lot of things by experimenting because they didn't take Jacksonville State very seriously. And frankly, they should have been able to get away with that. You should be good enough to execute those plays and those situations that you can get away with that. And you can put guys in conflict and try to figure out how they'll respond to that. Like you learned really quickly, unfortunately, that Toa Feely does, it does not right now at this early stage of his career have a real understanding or awareness of situational football. Right, right. Uh, you, you you don't need to bounce that man. You've got to get that yard. That's all you have to get. And if anything else happens, great, but that has to happen. And so I don't think he has a good feel for it. I think, you know, there are a lot of problems with personnel, and they're trying to find guys. But, man, this team isn't mature enough or good enough, and they haven't accomplished enough to do that in a game without making sure you first go out and win the game. And, and I think he got caught, and it spiraled really quick. They panicked. And, you know, now he'll – you know, listen – that there's nobody that feels worse about it than that staff, but nobody cares about that. I mean, at the end of the day, you're paid a lot of money and you have to do better. And so I do wonder what his, I mean, I can't imagine he slept last night. I can't imagine those were easy conversations. He has to have a tough one with himself. He has, you know, I compare Ira to a fighter who, who knows his opponent and he gets in the ring with him and early on, he confirms what the film told him. I'm faster, I'm bigger, I'm stronger. And over the course of a fight, instead of just executing what he knows he has to do in order to get the win and wear that boxer down, in in a way that's going to allow him to either get the knockout or at the very least get a unanimous decision. At some point he gets lazy and he dips his hands and he gets got, he gets caught. Anybody can get caught. If you ever fought, you know, one time you get caught, slides out. And when you open your eyes, you have to confront the reality that your career path just took a massive detour because you got lazy, you got arrogant. And I feel like that's kind of what happened last night at seventeen seven. Now, they weren't playing well at all, and I suspect that they might not. Remember, we texted earlier this week, and when I gave you my score prediction, you were like, boo, because I said, <laughs> I don't know, 34-13, something like that. Like, I thought they'd look ugly. I thought they'd look tired. I thought they would look kind of run down, maybe even looking ahead, kind of a human nature type thing. Well, you know, the
0: thing – But I didn't It looked look like that. What's interesting, though, is, is it's not like – I mean, there have been times over the last five years where – it's all looked awful, you know, or every guy on defense has looked bad, or mm-hmm. or at least eight or nine of the eleven guys. But, I man, Jermaine Johnson is playing at an incredibly high level. Um, you've got a couple other, you know, Kalen Deloach gets the targeting call, but there were other plays where I thought he played really well. Um, Jamie Robinson, a, a couple a nice pass breakup. I mean, there were. It's like, I don't think that was a game where they just sleptwalked, but it was just so sloppy. On both sides of the ball. And then offensively, man, I can't I mean, how many times are you gonna have offensive linemen downfield or are you gonna have you know alignment issues? I mean that that to me uh, go ahead. What do you think he meant
1: in the post game when he said he's gonna evaluate
0: oh, in a, personnel and all
1: decisions? Well, he's talking about Dante Lucas, is he not? I mean I mean one hundred percent he's talking about Dante Lucas yeah, he can't so, be out there.
0: Yeah, so the the situation just for people that aren't paying – I don't know how close attention everybody pays to the offensive line. I'm sure, sure a lot of people do. but um, Robert. You hear Scott, their
1: names called frequently when they're committing penalties. There you go, buddy.
0: So Robert Scott has been starting at left tackle. Darius Washington has been starting at right tackle. Robert Scott left the game in the first half. I don't know. If, I assume he's injured. So Darius mm-hmm. Washington goes to left tackle. They move Devontae Love-Taylor from right guard to right tackle, and then they plug in Dante Lucas into the right guard. I don't know if it would have been. I guess it would have been him no matter what. Baby on Johnson was starting at center because Maurice Smith was not available. Mm-hmm. So now, so that's one of those things I was trying to bring up last night when Corey and I were talking after the game on the wrap video was that it, they also had some personnel issues just from guys not being out. Like on Pokey Wilson didn't play. What's going on
1: there? Do we have any idea what's I, going on there?
0: I think he got hurt in the last game, the Notre Dame game. He kind of disappeared at one point, and uh, so yeah, I think we. I think Norvell was asked about him during the week, and he wasn't. Not real forthcoming with the injury information. And uh, so he didn't – so we don't know. But he wasn't even suited up. So you start believe McLean. You've got now two guys playing either – you've got basically two or three guys playing either out of position or starting or on the first team offensive line that normally aren't there. But Dante Lucas, to your point, I mean, it's a guy who's – I mean, he's played for four years now. He's played a ton of football games. And it's the same stuff as before. I mean, the one play where he, he's run blocking on a pass. I mean, I, don't, I mean, I don't know – what all goes into their line calls. I don't know how easy it is to mess it up, but it seems like that's one you just can't have. And and, 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 it's, and it's after two or three years, I don't know. I mean, I just, you know, I don't know. I, maybe you're better off playing a young guy that just can't do it physically, uh, like a, you know Zane Herring or somebody, just to get somebody out there who at least will do uh, what they're supposed to do from that standpoint.
1: Well, you can't constantly be behind the chains and having to convert, you know, first and 20, first and 15, second and 10. And they they put themselves in those positions all the time. Um, Listen, I want to answer this from Briley. Even hearing y'all talk about this scattershot is scattershot. If every position group, every coach, and every aspect of scheme and strategy suffers from systemic flaws, how do you fix any of it? Give us triage. I don't think every aspect Mm -hmm. of this team is flawed, and I don't think – I don't think, listen, some of this is to do with you are lacking personnel. This was going to, that's why when we did predictions, I said six and six, and I was hoping, you know, maybe we get a few bounces and, and you could find a way to win seven games or that some other teams would be worse. It appears that they may be, um, but, but we're not any better right now, but I do think that they are more buttoned up on defense than they were certainly a season ago. For example, um, you know that last play will wipe away everything that happened in this game. But for the most part, as we referenced earlier, they're they're pretty good up front right now. Their their front four is fine. Uh, they're not good at linebacker. They're, they're below average at linebacker, and they don't have a, a solution. You know, some of it is that you say, well, let's let's change out this guy or change out that guy. Well, you're going to be putting in a guy that probably can't play because. Those are the guys that won the job through spring and fall camp. And, you know, at some point, the reason that things break down doesn't really, it's not that fans care anymore. They just want to see something better. But this is where I get really worried that that loss does not allow you to immediately raise your floor of talent, which is what the 2022 class represents, Ira. We said this year was about not winning the Atlantic, not winning eight games, but Preserving the class. Uh, you, if they're 0-3, if that happens, and I'm not saying it's going to, because I think they can go beat wake for us, and that's a different subject we'll talk about in a moment. But if they do go 0-3, how soon till some of those guys decide to reopen their, their recruitment? I mean, it, you'll start seeing it. That'll be the story.
0: Well, I mean, what it does is it just gives so much ammunition to other sure. teams. And so it's not as if a player you know, it's just gonna like watch a game and say, you know what? I'm done. I'm, I'm decommitting for say, you might have one or two of those, but what it really does is it just kind of opens the door for other schools to just kind of be like, man, is that really where you want to go? Are you really going to Mm -hmm. go to that place and keep losing? Like, and you know, they're probably going to, they fired the last guy after less than two years. Who's to say this guy's going to be there when you get there. So it, I mean, it's, it's going to be tougher. I mean, they've, they've created a much tougher situation for themselves than it needed to be. Um, but I also think your point about not having the right answers on the roster is fair also. And that's not to excuse the coaching staff. No. But, but at quarterback, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if they have a great answer at quarterback. I mean, I know everybody wanted McKenzie after those last two series against Notre Dame. But, you know, we talked about it on headlines, and I think we talked about it on your show as well. And I'm sure you guys did. But, you know, it wasn't like McKenzie was tearing it up in camp or in the spring. I mean, he Sorry. had a few not, he had a few nice days here and there um, and it, he wasn't the reason they lost last night, but it's not like, it's not like they have a, a, from what we've seen, a difference maker, a quarterback, but what I would like to see is use what you've got to the best of their abilities. And Correct. I didn't, think, I didn't think that was on display last night. And, you know, Jordan comes in and throws two, two 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 deeper passes and then McKenzie's in and, and you, you know, you've got him, you know, I mean, I think McKenzie, I think they can each be used to their strengths. I just didn't think that that happened last night. And I don't think, you know, I know now people are calling for Chubba. It's just, who, you know, and there's got to be somebody else. That's what everybody, I we haven't seen anything from practice that makes us think that Chubba Purdy or Tate Rodemaker is going to fix this team's problems, at least not right now.
1: No, his name's A.J. Duffy. You, you have to hope. Well, I mean, I, I think his upside is considerable, and I do think that that's again, you have got to get these kids in here. This you got to survive this year and find a way to get some things turned around here, where that where you raise the bar or you raise the floor, excuse me, of talent and give yourself a fighting chance. Um, they, they they do have to. I mean, this I don't ever want to sound like I'm excusing away the coaches here. That he took full responsibility, said as much. It was the first thing he said in the post game press conference. That's all you can do at that point um you know he, he he talked about you can't sustain drives offensively if you're constantly shooting yourself in the foot with penalties and drops well he's right you can't people don't want to hear that that's true though you, you can't I mean if if you catch that ball early and get up we always talk about this with teams that are huge underdogs the only way upsets like this ever occur is usually it's either a series of crazy mistakes like three or four turnovers earlier, a special team's touchdown, and all of a sudden they're in the game and they believe. But either way, it's that or you're screwing around with your personnel making mistakes and allowing somebody to hang around, hang around, hang around. And at some point, even a team that got blitzed the week before begins to think they could win the game. And now you're dealing with a different animal. Now you're dealing with guys over there who really do think, we can win this game. And your effort that you have to give from that point forward is exponentially greater than it would have been had you just executed earlier in the game when you had the opportunities. You have a touchdown. It's a walk-in touchdown. Can't drop that. And I understand it's not; it's one play, but it really is emblematic of the kinds of plays they just don't ever make. They rarely make.
0: And you just see the lack of confidence or conviction in any sense of like a bread-and-butter type play. Because, again, the fourth and three – fourth and two, fourth and three fade to Malik McLean. I mean, again, we've been out there practice. It's not like they hit that at a high percentage of practice. I mean, so that's a terrible what, play call. So in, 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 and in I don't bitch you know, about play calling usually. Yeah. Well, in the whole idea again, in that, in that series. And then also, you know, once he got inside the 10 and then also, you know, earlier, I just think there were times he used Jordan Travis, but at that point he was like, not even a factor anymore which was just kind of bizarre. So, yeah, I mean, and to the point I guess Briley made earlier or somebody made earlier about how scattershot we are, it makes it seem like there's so many – it it wasn't somebody else. that It makes it seem like there's problems across the board. Well, that's how you lose to a Jacksonville State is in a game all those things have to go wrong. I mean, think of all the things that had to go wrong for Florida State to lose that football game. With six seconds left, is poorly is they played, but but you can think of all those things. If you just fix one of them, you would have been so much better off. But a lot of those things weren't, I, you know, I, I didn't. A lot of those things, I don't think, were on display in the opener, and they may not be on display against Way Forest. I mean, if you had to guess right now, I'm not. I know you're not going to put money on it, but do you think they're going to look more like the first game against Way Forest, or more like the second game?
1: I I, I know that there will be plenty of blowback and pushback for this. I like their chances to go win the game. I think they're going to play well. I'm not saying there isn't a chance that they go up there and they're broken and we see it and it confirms it and we go, holy hell. Well, that, that would be a huge problem. And it's a different kind of conversation if we see that, Ira. And it is a distinct possibility after that nightmare on Saturday night. But I don't believe, since you asked me, I don't believe that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to go play well. I think that because of the things that you've talked about and I've talked about with what they did when we saw them through a full spring and through this fall camp. I actually think that one game, which is a humiliating it is a humiliating game and result. But I do not think that's going to define Mike Norvell's time here. It'll be something we always remember It'll be something we always reference and talk about, but I don't think it's going to be the thing that defines his time here as the moment that he could not recover, the moment that he lost the team forever and the fans to boot and that he was just a dead man walking, serving out a sentence. I don't believe that's true. I do think that they'll rally back from this. Uh, And I'm not saying that because I want them to, as a no, I'm not saying that because it it would be nice to see a team that goes out and performs well and cover a team like that. I'm saying that because I do believe he's a good coach. He certainly wasn't last night. They didn't do a good job of preparing this team. They made mistake after mistake after mistake, but I'm not going to say that that game is the game that decides from this point forward whether or not Mike Mike Rebell makes it. now i I do think there are some guys in the staff that may end up getting told to have a good day at the end of this year. We'll see.
0: The other thing, you know, and and, and I agree with you. I actually think they'll they'll play better this week as well. i I also think. This is where again some of my comments about Mike Norvell as a coach were based more on the relationship side, the um, how to handle players, how to manage personalities, all of those types of things. I think he's done a really good job with that. I think he'll I think he'll push the right buttons this week and they'll respond. I was thinking when I wrote that column that people can read up at warchant.com, the the, inc- the kind of the um, the thing I saw the situation I observed after the Wake Forest game in two thousand eleven. And I'll stop talking about that game this week. But when Florida State went up to Wake Forest in 2011 and they lost, and Jimbo started Clint Trickett and it went terribly, yeah. And, yeah. and they ended up losing that game. After the game, Wake Forest, you they have kind of like a weird interview setup. But I actually went down outside the locker room. They do the press conference. They would do Jimbo's press conference would up be, be up uh, on the third floor of their field house in the end mm-hmm. zone. But to get players, you actually had to go out. They wouldn't bring the players up there so you had to get the players down in the parking lot next to the buses. Corey was up for Jimbo in the press we one of us had to be in one one of us had to be the other. So Corey was up in the in the um, press conference, I was down in the parking lot. And man, I watched Bjorn Werner, um Ever Dawkins and a couple of the other older guys on defense like counseling pissed off teammates in the in the parking lot. Like there were dudes on that defense that were furious. That was that was a good defense. They had a good football team, and the offense just puked on themselves, turned it over five times, had all these penalties, and the defense was furious. And I thought that was a third straight loss, just lost to Wake Forest, and I thought, man, this is going to be tough for Jimbo. The players, Some of the players were so mad, but what was cool was Bjorn Werner and Everdog and some of those other guys that were older kind of calmed it and, and, and got those kids to get on the right page. Well, that's what has to happen here. But that's hard to know if it can, you know, because the guys that we think are the best leaders on this team, the Jermaine Johnsons, McKenzie. Yeah, they're McKinley, transfers. They're transfers. They're all transfers. And it, it may, they may be able to do it. But yeah. that's a little bit of a wild card. That It's know, very it's much
1: a wild card. It's why I wasn't really willing to put all my chips into the middle of the table and tell you that they're going to win. But right. I, I – If if I had to make a bet, I would make a bet that Forest State goes and plays well against Wake Forest uh, this week. I I really think they'll play with a level of desperation and anger Um, if he still has the team. If he's got the team and they believe in him, even after that nonsense that we just saw as apoplectic as we might all be, we're not in that locker room. And if those players do believe in him, even after this nonsense, then they will go play their ass off this Saturday, and they will play hard and they will play angry. In a weird way, you know, sometimes you see a team and you go, oh, my God, that team, they've quit on that coach. They've got no chance. They won't win a game this year. We've all watched teams quit on coaches, and you can can predict week to week that that thing's going to be ugly just as it was the week before, just as it was the week before. I don't think that's what this is. I think if I were a Wake fan, sure, I'd, I think it's an imminently winnable game just based on the personnel i see from Florida State, the fact that they're 0-2 and they haven't been good in five years. But at the same time, I would be thinking, damn it, I'd really prefer they would have won that game because I think we're probably about to get the angriest effort that we could possibly get from Florida State.
0: You think, do you think Norvell changes anything up in terms of play calling responsibilities, in terms of operations, in terms of anything based on not just that game, but just kind of the way things have gone? Or do you you think it's just a matter of? You could see him thinking, couldn't
1: you, Ira? That press conference, man, he wanted to be anywhere else but there, of course, but he was soul-searching. Like in between questions, you could hear it with the sighs, that that faraway stare, the times that he closed his eyes and he was thinking back through all of the mistakes when he was asked questions about it. You could tell he was replaying it in his head. Um, You know, a lot of good coaches have really bad moments. You know, Jimbo had a lot of them. Uh, there have been any number of great coaches throughout the history of football, of course. And if you go survey their record book and you look at everything they've accomplished, you could probably find uh, more than a handful of games that they would sit down and talk to you about and say, oh, my God, did I absolutely screw this up in every way imaginable? And then it, it's kind of fun to talk to them when it happens, because they, it, over time, they can look back on it and tell you what they did wrong and what it led to and the decisions that changed the way that they coached from that point forward. A good example, and nobody wants to hear this, is that you know the clown at Clemson is this close to being fired before he saves his job and goes on to become the Dabo Sweeney we know now, and it was because, as he has stated numerous times, that he decided, well, that's it. If the ship is sinking, I'm going to do it my way. I'm not doing it the way everybody else has told me to do this. I'm not doing it because I'm not going to save people's feelings. I'm not, you know, that's it. From here on out, if I'm going to crash, I'm going to crash my way. Well, if if that needs to be done, and we're not in that locker room, I don't know how he feels about his coaching staff or how he's divvied up, per se, uh, certain responsibilities that are now failing him on game day. He knows that. He's evaluating his staff all the time. He's evaluating himself all the time. But if he feels that way, yeah, now would be the time. Now would be the time, buddy, because you just threw away whatever wiggle room you had. Now, again, we have to talk about this in two ways. When I say you threw away Goodwill and whatever wiggle room you had, that's primarily with the fans, and you don't get the benefit of the doubt. You may have lost some players, and that's important. But they're not firing Mike Norvell. I mean, Mike Norvell could go one in whatever this year. They're not firing Mike Norvell. And it's probably not a wise idea to do so because you can't just keep starting over. But they may fire. he may have to fire some guys. He may have to change up what he's doing. And to your point, I'm sure he's evaluating all of that right now. How yeah. could you not be?
0: Yeah, and that's what, and the, you know, and then it becomes of like, what can you do in season versus what can you do after the season? And look, I mean, Bobby Bowden, there were times where he took play calling away from an offensive coordinator. and did it himself. There were times he changed guys on the staff who was doing it. There were cho- There's been times where, uh, you know, defensive coordinators, you've you've they've coaches have changed who calls the plays with guys on the staff. And they've got you know a couple guys on the staff that John Papuchas has been a defensive coordinator. I'm not suggesting they do that, but um, you also have you know Randy Shannon's an analyst who can't be coaching out there, but I think he can be in conversations. He can certainly be a big part of game planning. Um, I you know I, I'm just curious about it because I don't know if if the feeling if, if I'm Mike Norvell, I don't know if I feel like okay, this was we blew this. You know we made some major decisions that backfired on us. We were this program's not where we needed to be to 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 coach the way we did in this game, or if you say you know what, that's on top of the third and seventeen call last week. Mm -hmm. That's on top Mm -hmm. of that's not to put all on the defense. There are offensive issues as well, but 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 you know that's what I'm curious about. But he's coached with these guys for years. And Kenny Dillingham is his protege. He's basically Kenny Dillingham knows everything he knows about offensive football, mostly from what he's learned from Mike Norvell. And then on the defensive side. For worked with Norvell for a couple of years in Memphis, so so I don't know. I uh, I just uh, when something like this happens, you feel like you need to 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 really examine everything, but at the same time, you don't want to overreact, I guess. I and mean, it's just so. You know. This is the
1: question John asks, and this is what we started the show with today. And I don't know the answer to this. We'll see if it happens. He thinks, does John, that Norvell lost the locker room, preaching every rep matters while he loses a game, trying to turn it into a live scrimmage. That was the fatal mistake, John. You are correct. That is what he did. He turned this into a scrimmage. He wanted to put stuff on film for Wake to have to prepare for. It is the ultimate show of disrespect for your opponent. It's also overestimating what your team's capable of. Um, You got to go win the game before you start doing all that. He goes on to say players have no reason to trust him after that fatal conceit. It was conceit. It is a mistake. But I do think that they have bought in to a lot more than – the mistakes that you saw last night or the decisions that he made last night. They bought into a much bigger picture that he has preached to them for day after day after day. Now, they can be angry at him. They can be looking at him with a jaundice eye moving forward. It may very well be a situation where they're on shaky ground for a little while, where those players are two fingers to my eyes, two fingers back to you. That's probably true. Because they just lost a game they know they should have never lost. And they're going to look at the coaches. They're going to look at themselves, hopefully, too. But they're going to look at the coaches and wonder, are we being put in the best position to succeed week in and week out? It's a normal thing to wonder when you lose a game to Jacksonville State. But it doesn't mean that they walked off that field last night for certain and said, that's it, that's all. Done with these guys. I don't know if that's the case. I'm not in that locker room. We're not in there day to day. We don't know
0: yeah exactly and i think that more often than not it's not the case usually especially after one game like that but but again you know i think you, you go back to you know and a lot of times we re- i reference jimbo's time because he was the head coach here for you know 7 years 6 you know 7 8 years um pretty soon before this and so it's fresh on the mind but you know before the 2013 season there were a lot of complaints from players about certain things there were players who felt like he abandoned the run too too quickly and would get too pass happy. There were players who complained that different players got preferential treatment, but just mm-hmm. like, just like family has squabbles, just like friends have, there are things that, you know, Corey and I argue about you and I argue about, there are things that, that you don't see eye to eye on, but that doesn't mean you just give up and say, I'm not going to play anymore. First of all, there's pride. There's pride in your team, your school and each other. Um, so even if they don't like everything, something really drastic has to happen to totally erase trust, but what you, but, but there's a difference between checking out and not being fully vested to where you believe 100% everything that they tell you to do is going to work. And I think, you know, when something like this happens, it drops. I don't think it's necessarily means they've checked out. I just think it's, it's not where it needs to be. And they're going to have to earn that trust back.
1: Well, and to, I guess to what, to what we were talking about earlier in the show, I, I, I mean, listen, I, I don't feel bad for him. He did it to himself. But now this is a arduous process, Ira, to getting it back to where it was prior to last night. It, it's the, it's it's going to take more than going up and winning a game against Wake Forest or even playing well. It's going to take a long time, man. That stuff sits with you. You know, it's like uh, we, we, we all have friends and people that we're really close to and have been friends with over a long period of time. Could be 20 years, 30 years. And there may have been moments in those relationships with people where, they did something that, you know, you took great offense to, that uh, that really bothered you, that fundamentally shook you, uh, and you had to reevaluate that friendship. And only over time did you realize they just made a terrible mistake or that you made a terrible mistake, whatever it was. But it didn't ruin what was possible moving forward, but it did make you reevaluate. It did make you second guess. And anything that happened after that for the foreseeable future, for the next year, for the next two years, whatever, you're like, hmm. Is that real, or is this like that last time? You're always going to be wondering. And so this he undid a lot of good, man. He undid last night, that staff undid a lot of positive things that had happened. And now I, I'm i just curious uh, how long it takes. Uh, your column is spot on, Ira. I'm not saying that just to say that because we worked together on War chant. It's just going to take a long time. And that's what sucks about last night, in addition to actually losing the damn game to an FCS team.
0: Well, that's the thing in John's question here about the, the millions. Oh, of, devastating. It's the not games good. Cost the Tassie economy. Yeah, man. And that's the that's It's almost like if I almost feel like if the fans hadn't got so excited about the Notre Dame game, that might have been better than what happened because they did get so excited and did get so mm-hmm. invested. And, and I just want to say one more thing about that. Like, don't, don't dismiss how you felt about that game. I mean, the, the reason people were excited about the Notre Dame game was was accurate. I mean, I, I talked to not only, you know, us in the media or fans, but I talked to former coaches, former FSU coaches who were like, man, it looks like a totally different team now. Yeah. I mean, think about the analysts, Kirk Herbstreit. I mean, these are people that spend, you know, their lives watching football. That was real. That happened. But then this Saturday happened too. And for the two to happen back to back like that, I just think it's crushing. And and man, Seminole boosters now has to, they're trying to sell, you know, suites to a new renovated Doe Campbell stadium. They're still trying to finish off. (laughs) Good luck. They're still trying to finish off this football facility. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a, this was disastrous, man. So the look, the look you saw on Mike Norvell's face, I don't think it was, and I agree with what you said earlier, I don't think it was the same look as what we saw from Willie after Virginia Tech game. I thought I think it was more of a recognition of, holy crap, we just effed this up, more than what just happened, which is what I thought the look on Willie's face was. was, I don't think he realized that that could have happened. I think Norvell realized in the moment exactly all the different ways they screwed up.
1: The magnitude and the variety of ways, the the impact on the amount of people, whether it's within his own locker room or the university or the fan base or the community. Yes, I think he knew it in that moment. He, you could see it. I was curious how it was going to look, and watching him, um, you know, you saw a guy who was sick to his stomach because he knows it's on him. You know, that that's that's the hard part. Uh, I do think he's a guy with a lot of resolve. Uh, I I think he's a guy that, you know. Given that he has always been, no matter where he's been, if he's, if he's been in control, he's been very open with the press about coming out to document everything. Well, you don't do that if you don't believe in yourself. Right. You don't do that if you don't believe in the process and, and, and the way that you coach football. You, don't, you would never do that. And so I think he, I doubt he's lacking confidence. I think he knows exactly what he did. I think he knows how resoundingly poor that looks and how difficult it's going to be to uh, reinstill the trust uh, whether it be with players or fans or whatever um, and I think yeah I think it was probably a pretty overwhelming moment I mean I, I don't know that's um that's, that's right. a long night man I I, I said it earlier I, I doubt he slept real well I think
0: Jeff I, uh, I mean Jeff there rep- uh, represents a lot of uh, FSU fans I mean even after the last five years and, and just some of those games you knew they weren't going to win. Some of those games, you know, and you were just kind of going through the motions at that point, the way the team was playing, especially during, you know, Willie's two years and even at the end of Jimbo. Uh, and then last year with the COVID year. But then, uh, you know, last last night, man, it it uh it hit people in a different kind of way. Um, again, I think because of what happened the week before.
1: Yeah, it's staggering. Yeah. Um... Jen writes, mostly offense's fault, but Fuller gave it away at the end. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we summarized there. It's an inexplicable call there late. I don't know what – I still don't know how it happened. I, I have to believe there was a breakdown in the communication process. I, I can't – there's no way – no, but – so, Ira, we do this a lot when you see these kinds of mistakes that coaches make and you juxtapose that to the conversations you've had with them. In the moments that you know – you know, I think any one of the people who, who saw how colossally stupid that was would also be very impressed if they sat down and talked to that person, talked to the, in, in this case, Fuller or anybody else, with their football knowledge. So it it lets you, it reminds you that even guys like that can get caught up in a moment. Something can happen. Something can break down, whether it's their own mind or something in the communications process that leads to something like that. Now. It can't happen, you know. And I said that last night. It can't happen. That that the way that happened cannot happen. And I really am curious. I I don't know if we'll ever get a one hundred percent honest answer because he's going to protect his coaches. But I would like to know how that happened. Well, how were they? How were they in that defense?
0: Yeah, and I mean, on top of that, and somebody, you know, I went back and watched Jacksonville State's coaches press conference. By the way. I know no FSU fans would want to get, hear this, but him, the quarterback, and the receiver all talked in a video that they put out. Like, I mean, if you could separate yourself from the FSU fan for a second, I mean, imagine the moment they had. I mean, it was yeah. just hearing them talk about it from a competitor standpoint. You know, they were just so on top of the world. But the kid, um, but the coach said that you know we we run the play the same play on third down, yes, same look, and so and literally told the quarterback, hey. That guy's open, throw it to him next time we run it. It reminded me of the PK Sam play against Florida, where yeah. they ran the same play two plays in a row, and PK Sam got behind Gus Scott both times and caught the touchdown. Where they run the same play again. That again to me is where, okay, you've got coaches up in the box, you've got a defensive coordinator. That's what I mean. I mean, how, how did that did, happen? How did, yeah, how did it just doesn't make any sense? So that's It'd be a great question to ask t- uh, tomorrow at the press conferences. Uh, I'm curious to see how those go. Like you said, those guys have been great to deal with. Uh, I think fans like them. I think fans like listening to them, what they have to say. Um, but this is a tricky. This is going to be interesting to see how they handle it because, on the one hand, you can be forthcoming to a point, but people aren't going to want to hear of my bad. On the same, at the same token. People aren't going to want to hear coach speak and you not own up to the mistakes either. So it's, it's a challenge. And then you got to think about what the players are thinking as they're le- listening to these comments. Cause they can see them uh, on YouTube as well. So it's, yeah. Uh, uh, it's you got to be, be very careful way. how you
1: answer these questions. I do. I think the number one thing you can do is exactly what he did last night. I, I It doesn't matter to me. Uh, fans aren't going to be happy no matter what the hell he says. But the number one thing is you have to take full ownership for losing that game, which he did. He did, but I'd do it again. I'd do it again and I'd re- repeatedly do it. I don't know what else you can do. You certainly can't blame the kids. No. Uh, they're college kids. You can't blame them. Um, even if they make mistakes, you can't do that. It's still on you to have them prepared to play football. And, and you know, I mean, he has to own that. I think all the coaches will. I don't think any of them will skirt blame there. I don't think you'll see a situation where they 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 deflect. Um and that'll still piss fans off. They're like, well, I don't want to hear that. Why didn't you do it in the moment? Well, what the hell are they supposed to do? At this yeah. point, they, they've already screwed it up. It they happened. screwed it up. Yeah. Yeah. It, it happened. You can't undo it. They <laughs> effed it up. Now you got to just say, we did. And that's the end of it. It's and like, yeah, right. that's it. That's all you can do. And I, I mean, yeah, you got to go fix things when you're in practice. But that's not what you discuss at the press conference.
0: So I was thinking back to that. Uh, I tweeted about it. a couple of years ago. I was in an airport. And there's a guy standing next to me. At the airport, he's on the phone with his wife, his cell phone, and and, and he's standing, We were waiting to like board the plane, so I'm right next to him, and he goes, "Yeah, honey, yeah, I effed it up. I effed it up. And you know what? Next week, I'm probably gonna eff up something else." And he just, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, yes, you're right. What do you want me to say?" And to me, I feel like that's gonna be, I haven't week. to Mars Yeah, guys, you're right. I effed it up. Um, I
1: am going to say this as we're winding things down, Ira. I do. I will. I'm going to repeat myself here, and it can, it's okay. I understand. People can be as mad as they want to be. I do think, and I think you just said it as well a while back. I think they're going to go play better. I yeah. do. I think it sounds absurd, and I hear myself saying it. I get it. Somebody's like, "What? I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you." <laughs> I, but I think they're going to go play well against Wake, and. I think it was a massive, massive misstep and one that they have to be obviously raked over the coals for. And they are. They are. Anywhere you turn today in Tallahassee, if you're around people who care about Florida State, they're just killing this coaching staff who deserves to be absolutely ripped. And I think they'd tell you that, too. I think they'd say, yep, yep, no. And that's. That angers people because they're like, well, man, don't agree with me. You're supposed to argue with me. You're supposed to fight with me. You're supposed to push back. But I don't think they would. I think they'd go, yep, that was nuts. That was. I can't believe we did that. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do? Yeah.
0: Um,
1: Studio question, yeah. how similar do you think this is compared to Jimbo at Wake in 2011? Can they still recover like Jimbo did 10 years ago?
0: Um, well, I well, we touched, I, we, you know, We yeah. touched on earlier the part that what really helped Jimbo out is I did think that they had some really good leaders on that class guys that he had recruited, you know, Jimbo had a big advantage, obviously the fact that he was an offensive coordinator and basically was a recruiting coordinator, even though he didn't have that title for coach pounds last three or four years. So he was recruiting players on both sides of the ball, you know, as well as anybody he was recruiting defensive players oh, in, yeah. as vigorously or more than he was offensive players. Cause he knew that's where they had to start. So, you know, the Bjorn Warners and those guys were, were, guys he had brought in to be part of the program and kind of turn things around. So when he became head coach, they were there, they were there for him. Whereas this staff is kind of relying on, um, you know, some guys who are, you know, a lot of transfers and, and things like that. But man, you know, I, again, I do think from what we've seen Jermaine Johnson and some of these other guys, I think that they can, they can fill that role. Um, but it, you know, this is, it's these, these next couple of weeks, I think are going to tell us a lot. And to that point about Jimbo, after that loss at Wake, man, they they beat Duke forty-one to sixteen. They beat Maryland forty-one to sixteen. They won seven of the last eight games. I'm not saying this team's going to do that, but what I'm saying is it can. It's it's amazing how quickly it can flip if it does flip.
1: Yeah, you can hit rock bottom, and this has to be that. Although I didn't think we could get any lower, here we are. Um, that that happened last night against an FCS school. I uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I just. I spent a lot of time just kind of just staring blankly after that kid ran into the end zone and just thinking, holy hell, that just happened. I just witnessed something historically awful as it pertains to football, in particular, Florida State football, and thinking, what in the world is he going to say? Moreover, what is he going to do? Because I knew that obviously the fans, they don't want to hear any of it. and, and that's fine, and that's why I liked your call because you're like, eh, doesn't matter. He, he can't worry about that. He has got to get to the process of uh, of winning football games. And we knew, we know how quickly that turns things around, uh, how quickly people will – listen, if they win against Wake and they turn around and beat Louisville and Syracuse and all of a sudden you've got a few wins in a row, mm-hmm. people will go, all right, well, not a great year. I still don't trust you. But they're not going to be as angry. They'll be – they'll start to get – they'll grab on to hope again and they'll start wondering whether or not there's an upset in the way, you know, in the making in, in the not too distant future. Uh, not against Clemson and, you know, not against uh, some of the better teams, but you, you know, you're still looking at North Carolina, like maybe who knows, you know, they'll start to do that.
0: And one, one other thing I would say, and this is just kind of tied back to, you know, people who are, you know, and we've made a few references to Willie in the first couple of games, the Virginia tech game, to me, the difference here. Is and we'll see how it plays out. But the reason I'm confident they'll play better, and I think you are, is when things didn't go well for Willie, I don't think he knew what to do. Like I don't think he knew there wasn't like a there wasn't like a a process that he could fall back on. And and I think there, to some degree he was just throwing darts. Okay, this coordinator, Walt Bell, doesn't work. All right, let me go get Kendall Bryles. Okay, uh Greg Fry doesn't work. Let me go get uh, this offensive line coach. I believe that Mike Norvell has a system in place, and he's got an approach and a process that will work. I think they got away from it last week, and I think they made a lot of big mistakes, but I think you can get back to that process. I think there's an anchor there that they can hold on to, and it goes to the work and the the, the process that I don't know that Willie had, and that's why I think it was fair to make a change within two years with Willie, and I do not think it would be fair uh, to even consider it with Mike Norvell.
1: And they are not in a position to consider it, whether they wanted to or not. Um, why well, didn't
0: I didn't think they were with Taggart either? That's why I didn't think yeah. they would do it then. But they, you know, and they'll be paying that off for a long time. I agree with you, but I said the same thing with Willie.
1: I think, um, I think I'm very intrigued. Uh, I, I don't think I know. I'm very intrigued to see what this looks like this week. I'm very intrigued to see because again, they're not going to say anything. Uh, at a press conference during the Q and A, that's going to change your opinion. If you're angry right now, you're going to be angry tomorrow, and you're going to be angry the next day. And nothing he says at a press conference or at q and A Q&A is going to change any of that. Um There's no player that can say something that you're going to go, "Oh, well, that okay, that makes me feel bad. Nope, there's nothing. There's nothing he can do. He's got to. That'd be a damn brief press conference for me. Other than it'd be me saying, "I'm sorry, I said it last night. I'll say it again here." I failed this team, I failed this university and I failed the fans. Nobody's sicker about it than us. It's time to go to work. Thanks guys. And I mean, I don't know what else you can do.
0: Well, that's not going to make my job any better Jeff. <laughs> but 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 yeah, man. I mean, honestly, yeah, that you're right. Words 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 cannot fix any of this for the fan base. There's nothing no, I know. there's nothing here anybody else can say. They just have to do it on the field.
1: Go enjoy the football games everybody. Go enjoy this evening's football games. Maybe have a cold one and and, and let's get ourselves ready for this next week. I'm a, maybe, I am uh, interested.
0: Maybe the next match will be more uh, more joyous.
1: <laughs> it will definitely be more joyous uh, because I think Ira would be sitting down going, "Hey, how about that? How about the big win at Wake? 1-0 in the ACC everybody. 1-0 in the ACC. Here we go." Uh, <laughs> John, I wish you shared my optimism too, buddy. I, we're gonna, we'll are gonna, we get there. Come on. We'll get there. Uh, for Ira Chafel and for Tom Lang, who was producing, and for me and all of you, deep breaths. Deep breaths, everybody. Hang in there. Like and subscribe to The Smash. It's every Sunday at 7 o'clock. Most of the time, it's not going to be this downtrodden, face down in the muck depression that we feel right now. No, no. I, I think we'll eat <laughs> We'll be – hey, listen, if they go and get beat 40 to nothing against Wade, we'll, we'll just know this is a lost cause. We'll start playing board games on here with everybody. We'll just have we'll just start doing shots. Who knows? Start,
0: start shooting heroin. Get,
1: I mean <laughs> – Yeah, I mean, right, right. Nowhere to go but up. Good night, everybody. <laughs>